to the Simply Healthy You podcast, your place for overcoming overwhelm with your health to reach your fullest potential. I'm your host, Casey Kane, and I am so pumped to have you here. I'm a recovering burnt out high achiever who was diagnosed with an autoimmune thyroid condition by my early 30s. I didn't realize that running myself ragged in the name of being superwoman and determined to achieve all the things in life was killing my body. I created this podcast so that you don't have to continue the struggle like I did for over a decade. I sat down, studied the data, and simplified what it means to prioritize your own health needs so that you can be the best for all the things on your to-do list. Everything you hear on this podcast, I have tested and implemented in my own super-packed life with my family to bring you the tips, tools, and strategies that will keep your life simply healthy. friend. Welcome to another episode of the Simply Healthy You podcast. I'm so grateful to be infiltrating your brain with today's topic. My name is Casey Kane. I'm a certified holistic nutritionist with a master's in psychology, and I'm here to bring you science-based conversations to help you live a healthier and happier life. Let's talk about mainstream media. Uh, I mean, what is there to say about mainstream media? I loathe mainstream media on so many levels right now, but I'm going to try to keep this episode and my ranting to a minimum just to focus on the nutrition aspect and how they are really adding to nutrition confusion on some major levels and why that might be happening. So you can better understand when you're seeing this conflicting information out there, like where the hell it's coming from and how to sort of make sense of it all. Mainstream media really has a giant role in the confusion around nutrition. I don't like mainstream media, as I said, for a whole host of reasons. And the heart of it all comes down to the fact that the media's main business interest is to keep the narrative going. Whatever the best narrative is at the time to keep the clicks and the shares and increase viewers view time, right? That's that's how the media gets paid. Uh, that's how they make their money. And so really, no matter what topic we're talking about here, that's their main interest, how to keep things sensational so that you want to keep coming back for more like a drug addict, basically. And nutrition misinformation has been a central part of that for as long as many of us can remember. It is, I mean, I think any of us can think back as to even the commercials and things that we were seeing as we were children. There was always some kind of diet, something or other happening on the TV, on the news, on the latest headlines show, this study came out with blah, 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 right? Is it all the media's fault that we have such poor health outcomes as a global population right now? No, obviously not entirely. We are intelligent, discerning humans who should be challenging these claims, especially when something might seem too good to be true, like many of these diets are sort of pitched to be. But the media definitely doesn't make it easy for us to be able to tell our ass from our elbow on a lot of the nutrition science. It's not the science itself that's confusing. It's the gross misuse and misinformation of the science from the media. The things that they cherry pick out of a study and make a headline sometimes are so far from what the actual study was about or the results that were found. Like it is mind blowing sometimes that some of these people feel like they are still doing a good job. I don't understand how they can 
just create gross misinformation and lies and be putting it out there for the mass populations to consume and be able to go to sleep at night. I don't know. I would hate myself (laughs) if I was one of them. And I'm sure at some point, like they probably got into the industry because they believed in journalism, but that's not fucking journalism. That's blatantly lying to people for the sake of profits. They the media doesn't care. They're not discerning in the science if it's an industry-funded study or whether the study design was well-planned. They will do whatever it takes to keep a steady rotation of nutrition fads funneling your way to keep you confused and coming back for more, just like the diet industry. I mean, the diet industry goes along with this as well, and they work together hand-in-hand to perpetuate these extremely confusing fads that keep us going from one thing to the next. I've said this before, but a sick and confused population is far more profitable to these industries than a healthy one. It's just the facts. I, I What I wish more employers and businesses would realize is that if they were caring for their people more, ignoring the mainstream and supporting their people in better health, it would make people far more productive. Like sick and confused may make some of these industries more money, but it actually hurts a lot of regular businesses. And if our businesses were able to say, hey, you know what? That's a... That's bullshit. Like, let's bring some real health health initiatives into this country or into this country, into this company. Their people would be more productive. They would take less sick time. They would increase their their abilities to perform well on the job and ultimately increase business profits. I mean, I, I we've seen many companies start to take some of these health initiatives. It's very hard, right? They have to use their own dollars to do this. And not every company has the ability to do that. Not every company is incentivized to do that. You know, you would think health insurance companies would want to be helping to fund those kinds of things. But no, health insurance companies make money off of sick people. They can charge more for sick people than they can for healthy people. And so we have seen many companies take health initiatives, like having personal trainers uh, in their facilities, having gyms in, in their buildings if they're able to, dietitians and nutritionists as a part of their benefits packages. Uh, but it's not enough. It's certainly not enough. And it's not enough correct information, even with some of those professionals, because we all know that even though someone might be a trained fitness professional or a dietitian or something like that, it doesn't mean that they have the right training or the correct science information that is fueling their recommendations as well. So I, I, we know the science is never settled, right? I'm not saying that this is a hard and fast, like, here's what it says. You know, I'm always talking about the the new studies that are confirming the things that we know. There's always another hypothesis we can test or retest to continue building a solid body of evidence. And the same is true in nutrition science. We can always be retesting these things or creating a new hypothesis off of the trends that we've seen in the past. But does that mean that it's truly changing as much as the media portrays? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There is no way in a couple of years' time that we have discovered that low carb, then high protein, then all meat, then all plants, then paleo, then intermittent fasting, then metabolic eating, or whatever the fuck else is on display at any given moment is what the best science based diet is. And I've, I've recorded an episode on the best science based diet. And, you know, like that's just, that's not what we're seeing. Like for, think about it for a minute. Like, let's take a pause for a minute and think about it. Take a minute to really work this through your brain. It's so easy to get caught up in the sensational marketing and the news stories. And especially when they're using weight loss as like the hook 
to all of this, right? Because so many of us do struggle with weight because our food system is shit. Uh, so many of us struggle with weight because our hormones are really out of fucking balance because we're living in an increasingly toxic world. <laughs> I told you I would try to not go off on the side tangent rants, but it's very hard for me to do that with this episode. You know, let's take, it's it's so easy to get caught up in that sensational marketing and lose 20 pounds in 20 days and blah, blah, blah. But you're smart. So like, let's let's let this really sink in. Even if you yourself have never studied proper research design and execution, does it make sense to you that every year the science would show us something completely different than what we thought was a great diet approach for health and longevity? Like, does that actually make sense? In just a year's time, would we even be able to study the long-term outcomes of a diet and say that it should radically change from like low carb to high carb to fasting to all the protein. Like, would it really change that much within a year's time? No, it wouldn't. Spoiler alert, it wouldn't. No fucking way would it show that. Because one, even if you have a, a study that shows some, some radical results like that, these kinds of trends are only created over decades of time. Any one study that shows some radical results needs to be replicated many times using different designs and mechanisms in order to confirm that that finding might actually be accurate. So I'm not necessarily denying that there are studies out there that may be showing that eating all all meat all day is is beneficial for your health but you've got to look at what the study design was who the participants were like you have to look at all of that information and then be able to say okay we're going to retest this and see if the same rules apply see if the same results happen we're going to test this with a different population a uh, a uh, a larger population right a lot of these studies are extremely small and so like there's so many things that you need to look at in order to say that there is this global trend or, or something like this universal diet that everyone should be adopting because it's the best for health and longevity. Always, always look for compounding evidence. When you hear about anything, anytime you hear a diet, look for compounding evidence. Any one study doesn't mean shit. Even if it shows something great. I mean, even if it's you know, I love the plants, right? And even if it was a plant-based study, I still see people in that space designing very specific studies because they have a certain goal in mind. I mean, to say that a researcher could be completely unbiased when they're doing their studies, it, I don't really think that's true. I think every researcher, even great researchers, have a little bit of bias. That's how you create a hypothesis to begin with. You have a belief, you have an idea, and you want to test it, and you want to see if the results that you expect to happen actually happen based on your belief. So I don't think that having a little bit of bias in these studies is a, a bad thing. I think it's what pushes researchers to continue to do research, but being able to design it in a way that is unbiased, that would show like, hey, even if this isn't true, even if my belief isn't true, I want to design a study that would show me that that is the case. And any one study still doesn't mean shit even with the best design. If it's the only one of its kind that is showing that particular outcome, that's something that needs to be replicated. Even 10 studies doesn't necessarily mean much depending on the participant size. You have 10 studies with like five people each. Well, that doesn't mean shit. That's that's 50 people. Like that doesn't, you can't generalize that to the population. You have 
hundreds of people, you have thousands of people, these are definitely more costly to find, right? We can't just ignore all of the small studies because then we're eliminating a huge pool of the data. But to to cherry pick these small studies because it shows the outcome that we want it to have. And this is what the media really does. It shows uh, some sensational kind of outcome that they can turn into a headline and not necessarily look at the larger body of data that we have to see how it compares and and whether or not there are flaws in this study. That's that's really where the media pisses me off. And and a lot of people in my space get really pissed off about the things that get picked up and shared in the meme universe. Memes are just that gets shared out. A funny one gets shared out, and all of a sudden everyone's like believing something is fact. There are a lot of cases where you can look back at something and say like, there's one person who said one thing in this study and someone grasped that out of that story or out of that study and shared it somewhere. And from there, it just grew like wildfire. And it just, this is just an example as to how the media has kept us so confused at times on, on, what great nutrition can look like and what might be the most helpful way to go about fueling health and longevity. You might get one really huge study, but those are really costly and rare and it's not likely to happen. And so you really want to, again, look at the greater body of evidence. If there are smaller studies with smaller number of participants, you want to look at a lot of those studies to really see if this is something that can be generalized to the greater population. The giant studies throughout the last few decades have all shown very similar things in the nutrition space, but it's not sensational. No one makes a lot of money off of consistent headlines in the media. No one wants to be reading the same things over and over again, you know, from a, from a media standpoint. We would love to get a consistent message as consumers. We would love that, but it wouldn't keep us going back to the news source. And that's the problem. That's why the media is never going to tell you, yeah, no, consistently, this is what we're seeing, uh, unless it's something that's sensational and that's going to keep you coming back for more. So why do we get caught up in this? Well, the media knows full well how much we love to hear that our not so great habits aren't actually all that bad. And be honest with yourself. I know that might have stung a little bit the way that I said it. You know, some of the habits you have right now are not serving you well. Like we, every, every one of us have habits that are not serving us well right now. So for being honest and truthful, yeah, we've got some habits that don't serve us well whether it's your, your nutrition or something else in your life. And because change is uncomfortable for us, we are humans at the end of the day. We're not fucking robots. Change is uncomfortable. And it's sometimes really hard depending on the situation that we're in, depending on what it's related to. We will rationalize the not so great habits that we have. And the media knows this. They play off of this as, you know, basic psychology here for humans. We all know we do this with certain things. And food in particular is so personal for so many of us. There's cultural foundations to our food. There is lifestyle foundations to our food. There's a social aspect to our food. Like It is just such a personal thing for so many of us. So many people wear their diet labels like a personal identifier. And if we change our diet, then then like, who the hell are we anymore? Right? <laughs> like I'm a paleo crossfitter, right? Like that's just, these are the labels that we have now come to put on ourselves to that, that connect us to our food even more than before, which is both a positive and negative thing. I think food is a great connecting point, but when it gets to this unhealthy level, 
that the media fully knows about and plays into. This is why we get so confused. This is why we are globally a very unhealthy population because they are just continuing to manipulate the information and to manipulate us into being super confused about what what is actually beneficial for us. We all want to hear things like red wine is good for your heart, right? We've all heard that. And that sounds great. Like, yeah, let's completely ignore the fact that alcohol is poison for your body in any amount. And, you know, but red wine is good for my heart. Yeah, red wine contains the compounds that have been shown to be beneficial for your heart. But that comes from the grapes, (laughs) not the alcohol piece. So why not eat the grapes and skip the poison part, right? Get the fiber, get other nutrients out of the grapes and not be consuming the alcohol that is going to be poisoning us and negating really a lot of the health benefits that would be coming from the grapes. Well, Casey, that's, that's not so much fun. Like that's not, that's not fun. And I get that. I totally get that human nature. I totally understand that. But should we really be drinking the red wine over other things that we can be doing to improve our heart health? No, but that the media doesn't fucking care. They don't care because saying red wine is good for heart health is what is like, oh, yeah, mommy can have a wine. All right. Yeah. Let me have. I don't mean to be crass. <laughs> I don't mean to be crass. I don't mean to be derogatory in any way on this. This is a part of human nature. I, I too fall victim to clever marketing at times and I rationalize my own not so great habits. We have to acknowledge our humanness and not pretend that we're perfect beings in order to be productive. Uh, I think when it comes to working on our health. So I fully recognize my humanness. We love our vices as humans and we live in a world that really glamorizes them in this day and age. And that is a very dangerous slope. And the media 100% plays into that. The alcohol industry, for example, is making so much money on burnt out, overwhelmed moms, right? Like that is just such a trend right now. Why would they ever want to support a campaign to help mothers? They wouldn't. They would never want more paid leave or breastfeeding support or better work schedules to account for kids' school schedules. Like they would never want or support that. So, of course, they're going to perpetuate whatever they can on the media to show the benefits of consuming their beverages. The lobby groups that fight against these things are huge. They're absolutely huge when it comes to ultra processed foods, when it comes to meat, dairy, eggs, alcohol. Like these, these groups are huge. And the lobby groups that fight against us being able to have access to better health and better environment and better lifestyle, it's it's just astronomical. And until we realize that the media is conditioning us with this confusing messaging and vote differently with our dollars by not consuming these products and not buying into the diet culture, until we really vote with our dollars, they are not going to change. The, this will be the world that we live in forever because the only thing that is going to matter to these people is if their bottom line changes. And so we have to change their bottom line. We will continue to be unhealthy. And there's no sugarcoating that. And this is something that the media is going to continue to, to, to portray. I mean, just look at the past few years with the virus that will not be mentioned, right? How much were they shoving down our throats? People dying, people being sick, hospital numbers. Could you imagine If we did that for heart disease, over half a million people die every single year for heart disease, from heart disease. 
if we reported on that in the way that we reported on this virus, if the media did that, we all would wake the fuck up a lot faster about what we're doing that is contributing to heart disease and killing people every single day. Every single day. That would not bode well for a number of industries who make money off of people having heart disease and being on prescriptions and consuming their food and all of that, right? Like, this is the role that the media plays. The media is not innocent in this, and they are certainly doing it on purpose to stay sensational. Simon Hill is an Australian nutritionist and physiotherapist that I absolutely love. And he says in his book, which is one of my favorites, The Proof is in the Plants. Quote, when something confirms our belief, beliefs and justifies our behaviors, we accept it on face value and often feel compelled to share it with our family and our friends. In contrast, when something challenges our beliefs, we either work out a way to make it fit our pre-existing beliefs, we demand more evidence, or we tune it out entirely and pretend we didn't see it. And I agree with him on this theory, as we often see it in the psychology community, as confirmation bias. It is a very real thing. It is much easier for us to accept something like red wine is, you know, if we love wine, red wine is great for heart health. It's like, oh, well, I accept that. I don't need to look at any further data and figure out where they're getting that information from. I love wine and that confirms what I enjoy doing. And so I'm going to stick with that. When I turn around and tell you like, alcohol is poison, that is probably challenging your belief. There, There is a good chance, you as a listener, that that is challenging your belief. I've said it in a few episodes, and you may feel some kind of way when I say that. And because it is challenging a belief that you have, you are going to be like, well, Casey, I, I need you to tell me more about why. I need the proof. I need you to give me that proof. I'm going to demand more evidence, um, you know, or you're going to make it fit your pre-existing beliefs. Well, okay, Casey, you said that I could be flexible. So alcohol is going to be my flex point. Like that's what I'm going to build into there. Or you're just going to tune it out entirely. You may have heard me say it in multiple episodes now, if you've been listening for a while and you're just like, yeah, no, I'm going to skip over that part and listen to what the rest of this episode is about. I agree with him. This is this is what com confirmation bias is. This is what we see. And it's detrimental to a lot of areas of our life, but most especially with our diet and lifestyle that could lead to really poor health outcomes. And this is what I was talking about at the beginning of this episode about us rationalizing our not so great habits. It's human nature, but it's not serving us well. <laughs> we are, again, a globally unhealthy population because of it. Calling it like it is, confirmation bias, is an important part of being able to tease out the bullshit and focus on the real information to make better choices. But you'll never hear that coming from the media. The news stations don't work for free. There may be journalists who once had aspirations on covering truths and, and sharing real news stories, but in the mainstream outlets, most of those people are long gone or bought out. So, Look into who's funding these marketing campaigns that you're seeing when, when you're looking at these nutrition campaigns, any of this kind of stuff. Even the people who make, you know, in the United States, the people who make our, you know, standard American diet recommendations every year. Look at the people who are actually making those recommendations every year. Look at who's funding all of their stuff and where that money is coming from. Who's making those recommendations? Where did those people work before they were being the person in charge of making the recommendations every year for the United States. Look into that stuff. Look into the marketing campaigns and the news programs. And that's all the proof you'll need that they don't have your best interest in mind. When was the last time you saw a commercial for broccoli and its health benefits? Uh, right. Never. Yeah. 
But I bet you could name at least one pharma ad, one animal agriculture ad, one dairy ad, or one ultra-processed food, probably multiple of those ads that you've seen in the past 24 hours if you watch TV in the past 24 hours. I guarantee you could probably name multiple ads that have to do with any one of those industries in the last 24 hours. Stop getting your nutrition information from bullshit headlines, which you've already started doing because you're here, you're listening, you've gotten to a better place (laughs) in the online world. And there are a lot of people like myself who are in this for uncovering the truth and really trying to help people find better health and longevity. Find experts you can trust who might even be saying slightly different things, but with science that you can look into and confirm, right? I, I I, would hope that you would listen to me, but also listen to some other people in the nutrition space that might be saying things completely opposite that I am so that you can look at both of the things we're talking about. You can Google the things I talk about. You can look at the literature and, and the studies, and then you can also challenge what that other person is saying and come up with what you feel is the best recommendations for your lifestyle, right? I, I would hope that you would do that. I love following people who challenge my beliefs a bit. I mean, there's a ton of people that I follow on social media and their nutrition space who who do not believe that people should be eating as many plants that I do, who do not believe that you can be healthy without uh, eating meat in in any way, that it is an absolute necessary part of their diet. And I'm always looking at the science that they are referring to, the studies that they are referring to. And, you know, to date, it hasn't yet shifted my perspective. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning to make sure that if, if for some reason we do notice a trend that maybe got overlooked and, and that is the case, then maybe I would figure out a way to, uh, be able to incorporate that into my life again. I don't know. Cause like I said, the, the, the moral thing, uh, has started to become more of a reason as to why I choose not to employ that flexibility with my diet anymore that I know I have. Plant exclusive is not necessary. Plant predominant is what shows us the best health outcomes. But, you know, there's other reasons for that for me personally at this point. But anyway, stop getting your nutrition from bullshit headlines. Look for people who you can trust. Look for challenging opinions. Look for the science. And if you ever have any questions, I mean, feel free to send me headlines, articles anytime over on Instagram at Simply Healthy K-C-K-A-C-E-Y. Happy to help you uncover the bullshit and see how we can challenge our way of thinking and make sure that we're all living our healthiest and happiest life. So I hope this was helpful. As always, fuck the mainstream media. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Healthy You podcast. If these episodes are resonating with you, go ahead and click that subscribe button and leave a review with all the great nuggets that you're taking away from today's episode. I promise you, I read every single one of them as your feedback is really valuable to me in creating future episodes. As your host, I look forward to having you join me for the next episode. But in the meantime, remember, keep it simple and eat more plants.